You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. In your Bibles, uh, Ephesians chapter 5. You notice on the screen there is a sermon title as we continue in this mini-series. Uh, Jordan alluded to it in, uh, in the worship time that we've been talking about. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This triune God that we worship this morning, that we stand in awe of in three persons. And I love that song. Well, actually, I love all of the songs that we sang just a moment ago. Because they all talked at some point about this particular person in our triune God that we that we worship this morning. So I thought about several titles I could give this message. I thought about uh, uh, we could we could talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit, which we will. But I could have I could have singled that out and made that the whole title of the message. It would have been appropriate, but uh, I decided against that. I thought maybe we could just uh, entitle it the Holy Spirit in the Christian life. And that would have been very important because to be honest, that is the way to live the Christian life is understanding the Holy Spirit. But I, I chose this title, The Role of the Holy Spirit in the Life of a Christian. I want to talk to you about that. Listen, when it comes to the subject of the Holy Spirit of God, you know, it would take, it would take weeks and months to, to, to cover even just a, a, a small portion of all that the Scripture gives us uh, about Him. And, and there's so much to be said. But in order for us to complete this mini-series and to focus in on a single passage of Scripture, even though it's going to come out of a paragraph of Scripture that I'm going to read in just a moment, I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians 5, and in just a moment, we're going to focus on one single passage of Scripture because I believe that sometimes the best things come in the smallest packages. Amen. Kind of like my wife, a little small package, but she's been a great thing for me. Amen. So sometimes the best things come in small packages, and we're going to see how God has given us an incredible jewel here about the Holy Spirit in a very small verse. But let's go ahead and read several verses. Ephesians 5, I'm going to be teaching this morning more than preaching, but follow along with me. There's so much to learn here, and it's very, very exciting. Look at verse 13 in your Bibles as I look with you and read it out loud. Verse 13, Ephesians 5. Paul says to this church at Ephesus, But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Or look carefully then how you live. Not, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine. For that is debauchery. That means excessive, overflowing immorality. Don't, be, don't get drunk with wine, but rather be filled with the Spirit. Now, in just a moment, we're going to come back to Ephesians 5 and that 
in that, in that scripture, and, and, and I want to draw your attention before we do that to a reality. And, and to lay a foundation for the message, I want this reality to really reverberate in all of our lives this morning if we are followers of Jesus Christ. And here it is. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. Every believer. Let there be no confusion about that fact. Let me, let me draw your attention to a scripture. In 1 Corinthians, in chapter number 12, in verse 13, the Bible says this. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. So, since this is kind of a teaching message class, I'm going to ask you a simple question. It's already answers on the screen. How many Holy Spirits are there? One Holy Spirit. And really, in reality, how many bodies are there? There's one body. And so the question comes, how do I become a part of that one body? Well, I, I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. I believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. And I will be saved. And when I am saved, wow, what a glorious thought that is. What an incredible moment that is. For me, it was September the 1st, 1978. It happened in a moment of time. It was instantaneous. I became a Christian. It was a one-time decision. It was a one-time moment. It had an incredible impact on my life. And the Holy Spirit of God indwelt me at that very moment. You see, you get all of the Holy Spirit at the point of your conversion. Let me explain. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 says this. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, at that moment, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. You were sealed. Who is the guarantee, important word, of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. That word guarantee. Another word we might use is the word earnest. Who is the earnest of our inheritance? For instance, how many of you have ever bought a house before and you had to put down what? Earnest money. And that earnest money was a promise. It was a guarantee. It was money that you said, look, I guarantee this money is, is, is a promise that I'm going to buy this house. If you do not buy the house, then you what? You, you lose the earnest money. So it's a promise. It's a guarantee. So who is the guarantee of our salvation? Who is the guarantee of this inheritance that God has promised us called heaven? The Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is God's down payment on anything that he's promised in the Bible. You don't need to stand, uh, stay up late for this. You don't need to get hit in the head and fall over for this one, folks. You don't need to, to beg for this. You don't need to plead for this. This happens when you get saved. We're baptized into the Holy Spirit of God in one body, one spirit, sealed until the day of redemption. And that, my friend will never change for the follower of Jesus Christ. God knows how to give good gifts to his children. And so the Bible says in Luke chapter number 11 and verse number 13, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask him? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ... You have all of the Holy Spirit 
So the question is this. Does the Holy Spirit have all of me? That's the question. That's the question this morning. That's the challenge. That's what I want you to be thinking about. To be honest, if if I were sitting where you're sitting and I'm not, I'm standing where I'm standing, but I want you to know I'm on the edge of my seat this morning in my heart. Because I, I really believe this truth has so much to do with whether or not you and I are truly living an awesome, fulfilled, joyful Christian life. Church, this is not an issue of baptism. This is an issue of filling. And so we look at this singular central passage of, uh, of Scripture on the Holy Spirit of God. And it's on the screen now, Ephesians five eighteen, And it says, do not get drunk with wine. That's debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Remember, every believer has the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit does not have every believer. Which leads me to ask, are you filled with the Holy Spirit right now? Now, don't don't be too quick to answer that question because that's part of, I I believe, the problem today in the church is we are so quick to assume this, this very positive answer, especially if we're sitting in a church service after some worship songs. And, and at this point, we're somewhat uh, maybe at a spiritual high, kind of sad to say, but that's the way it usually is. We experience our spiritual high in church. And the intention of every pastor is that this would not be your spiritual high every week, but that your spiritual high every week would be your day-to-day walk with God. So before we answer that question too quickly, let's, let's meditate on it. Let's think about it. Let's inf- reflect upon that for just a few moments. So three observations about the Holy Spirit from Ephesians 5.18. Are you ready? Number one, let's define the Spirit. The Spirit filling defined is right here in this passage of Scripture. So what do I mean exactly by being Spirit-filled? Well, I don't always do this, but sometimes it, it helps. It, and this is a, a, a tremendous help and a, and a blessing to, to, to read for you the, the, the Greek definition of this word filled in this passage of Scripture. Be filled with the Spirit. The word is pronounced plerusta. And that word plerusta means this, to be filled, to be controlled, to be intoxicated, to be thoroughly permeated. To be totally influenced. It means this. It means to be totally overcome by a power that is greater than my own. Totally overcome by a power greater than my own. Sometimes we experience that in our lives with certain emotions. For instance, in the Word of God, the Bible speaks here in in, in, uh, Luke chapter 4 verse 28. Some religious leaders were angry about the, uh, the Lord Jesus' teachings. And here is what it said about those religious leaders. When they heard these things, when they heard the teachings of Jesus, they were all filled with wrath. Has anybody been totally overcome by anger before? Where you've just lost it. You forgot everything else. You forgot kindness, you forgot the fruits of the Spirit, you forgot all the things that you knew were right to do, and you just blew it. Profanity may have been involved, or, you know, an all-out fight. Sometimes these, these fits of anger, when we're filled with anger, we become totally controlled by it. 
We can become intoxicated with anger. We are, we are overcome by a power that is greater than our own. And, and, and anger can sometimes be a real problem. And here we see that they were filled with something. They were filled with wrath. In another passage of Scripture, it describes how certain Jews were looking at the ministry of Paul and Barnabas and all the things they were accomplishing. And the Bible says that when Jesus saw the crowds, they were filled with something. They were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what was spoken by Paul. They actually reviled him because of jealousy. They saw all the things that Paul and Barnabas were accomplishing in the name of Jesus, and jealousy filled them. And when jealousy fills you, if you've ever been overcome by this power, man, it can really make you do things you never thought you would do. Filled with jealousy. Overcome by a power greater than your own. So the scripture says here, as we begin to understand and define what it means to be spirit-filled, it means to be taken over, overfilled by a power greater than my own, the Holy Spirit's power. Personally, I've been filled with some things before. I, just, just reflecting back on some personal illustrations, I remember when I was filled with pain. Uh, you know, if you were to think right now about maybe a moment you were filled with pain, I would go back 30 uh, let's see, no, 28 years ago when I was pastoring, I was a young pastor pastoring this little small church called Gospel Light, the only one I've ever pastored. It was the weekend before Easter, so just coming up here, and I was, you know, I was in the best shape of my life. I was 27 years old. I was working out in the gym, you know, this cocky young little preacher, to be honest with you. I was benching 275 pounds, hard to believe, but I was. I was a big guy. I went to this this warehouse that uh, Dave Chittum was working uh, at and, and Cliff Kaufman owned this warehouse. And so my wife was the secretary at the time, young little church, you know. And uh, I went in there thinking I was going to arm wrestle the biggest dude in there. Everybody was for the pastor, right? Man, I had all this energy behind me, you know. I put my arm up, you know. And, and this guy and I were friends and we put our arms up and all. We start arm wrestling and man, it was locked in place. In fact, that was the problem. It was locked. And I mean, we were, I was holding my own until... My arm snapped. No, no, cracked in two. And the loud, the noise was so loud that Bud Kaufman, who was in the building in the balcony, he just ran out. <laughs> he, whoa, he about puked, you know. It was that disgusting. Everybody ran but a guy named Kevin O'Byrne. Kevin walked over. He had to know Kevin. Big old guy. I mean, huge overalls. That's all he had, his clothes. Hey, preacher, I think you broke your arm. Duh, you know, I'm writhing in pain. He rushes me to the emergency room, and I missed Easter services that Sunday and for the very first Easter in the history of our church. I was awful because I was so filled with pain. I remember that day. I remember when I was filled with joy one time, joy almost unspeakable. I remember the day that I was standing on a church platform in Canoga Park, California, and this little beautiful Japanese princess stood in the open doorway. Ah, oh, honey, it's been a while. It's been almost 31 years. But I can't tell you what I, I don't know if I could explain to you the joy. It, it was just overwhelming. I remember thinking, this moment is so surreal. It's so powerful. This is, this is a moment I've been waiting for. And, and tears of joy began to come down my face. And I remember the joy that I was filled with on my wedding day. So back to the text. Maybe we can understand it just a little bit more now. Be filled with 
the Spirit. Be intoxicated by the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. Be totally influenced by the Spirit. Be thoroughly permeated by the Spirit. Filled. Filled with the Spirit. Controlled by a power greater than your own. Now let's analyze the Spirit's filling. We've defined it. Now let's analyze it. First of all, as our text says to be filled with the Spirit, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. I want you to notice several things about the Spirit's filling in this verse. First of all, I want you to see that it is a command. This is not something that's optional. You know, God knows what's best, and God is not ashamed or afraid to say it. Amen. That's what makes God so incredible, is that God knows what's best for his children. And so when God says something, he usually doesn't say it as if it's optional. He says it in a command. He says, be filled with the Spirit. He knows it's best. He knows it's what will help us more than anything else. And so he commands it. And because he commands it, guess what? It is possible. Because God would never ask us to do something that he wouldn't give us the strength to do it. And so he says, be filled. It's command. Nowhere in Scripture are we commanded to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Nowhere in Scripture are we commanded to be sealed by the Holy Spirit. Nowhere in Scripture are we commanded to be indwelt or baptized by the Holy Spirit. We have no part in those things. That's all God. God does the indwelling of the Holy Spirit upon salvation. God seals us with His Holy Spirit to the day of redemption. That's God's job. God does that. We don't do anything to do that. Uh, we, we, are not, we, we have nothing to do with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God does that through repentance and faith in Christ. The only part that you and I get involved with is the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so let's pay close attention. It's a command. And we have a part in that. Number two, it is not only commanded, but secondly, it's passive. Now, some of you are really good in English, and you remember your English grammar class... God is implied in this scripture as the source of the filling. We are being acted upon. We are the object of the action, the verb. God does the filling when we ask him. We cannot do it ourselves. God is the one who does it. But we are the object of it. For instance, let me give you a visual example. So I've got a glass of milk here. I'm going to take just a quick sip because it's kind of full here. A little warm, but it's good. Okay. And uh, so I'm going to let this be the, the life of a Christian. So here she is, and we're going to take some of this chocolate milk. Don't get too excited, Zoe. It's good stuff. So I just put a pretty good chunk of, if you will, the Holy Spirit in there. Doesn't change a whole lot. That's how most Christians are. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. This represents each of us. Indwelt by the Holy Spirit, sealed to the day of redemption. But then, we stir just a little bit. And the Holy Spirit who's inside of us, you talk about something getting really good in a short period of time. This thing just turned into chocolate milk. All right, I'm going to auction this off. Who, give me a dollar? No, I'm going to Listen, the Holy Spirit of God indwells every believer. But it's another thing to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. 
So I want you to notice it is commanded, but it's also passive. And we must understand that, that, that God is implied as the source of the filling, but we are being acted upon. When we're filled with the Spirit, something awesome takes place. Number three, it's plural. I want you to notice it's plural. You can't see this in the English Bible, but you can see it in the Greek. It's plural. It's for every believer. In other words, when Paul said, be filled with the Spirit, he was saying that to every Ephesian believer. And 2,000 years later, I'm saying that to every gospelite believer sitting in these pews. This truth is not for the spiritual elite. Or just for the spiritual, you know, I used to think, you know, oh, this is just for like the really, the really spiritual guy, like the pastor or the elders or like the guys that have been to Bible college or the missionaries. You know, this is, this is another level. No, no, this is for everybody sitting in this room. This is for all of us. It's a command. I can do it. It's passive. It happens to me. It's plural. It's for everyone. And number four, it's present tense. Again, you can't see this in the English, but in the original language, you can. And because it is in the present tense, in the original language, it refers to continuous action. So the most technical translation would not be, be filled with the Spirit, but the most technical translation would be to be being filled with the Spirit over and over again and again and again and again. It's not a one-time thing. It is an often-time thing. It could be an everyday thing. For me this morning, it was very important that there was a moment this morning in my time with God that I was on my face begging God to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that as you'll see a little later in the message, I could say what He would want me to say and, and even forget what He would want me to forget and, and, and then I could worship God in, in, in the fullness of His glory this morning because I'm filled with the Spirit again. Remember this. This is a good way to understand this truth and sometimes this is misunderstood. One baptism, many fillings. One baptism, but many fillings. Never in the New Testament do you see a believer baptized in the Holy Spirit more than once. Never. Never. But, it, but the believers at Pentecost were filled once. In Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 4, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit there at Pentecost. But then in Acts chapter 4, in that, in that, uh, oh, that, that, no, in the upper room, that's right. And then in Acts chapter 4, it says, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together in the upper room, in Acts 4, was shaken, and again, different than Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, again, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. One baptism, many fillings. Paul was filled in Acts chapter 9 and verse number 17. It says that Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me to, so, uh, to you so that you may remain, regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. But then a little later in Scripture, in Acts chapter 13 and verse 9, it says about the same person, Paul, Saul, that he was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently on them. One baptism many fillings. Now, thirdly, I want to give you something about the spirit filling illustrated. I want to see if I can illustrate this for you because illustrations are so good. In fact, I love what Adrian Rogers said about illustrations. They are the windows that let the light in. And sometimes when we have an illustration, 
the truth that we could see maybe barely when it's illustrated. Oh, I get it. Now, this morning, I've given you several of my personal illustrations. It's fun to give a personal illustration. I like personal illustrations. I like to talk about things like I talked about this morning. Things that happened to me. A broken arm. A wedding day. Right? We can relate to that. But the best illustrations are not personal illustrations. The best illustrations are biblical illustrations. And so I'm going to let the Bible give the illustration itself about the truth. Let's go directly to the text itself. In Ephesians chapter 5, and verse 18, on the screen, you're going to see it says, Do not get drunk with wine. That's debauchery. So don't get drunk with wine. Don't do this. But be filled with the Spirit. It's interesting that the Bible compares being filled with the Holy Spirit to getting drunk. It's a negative illustration, is what we call it. A negative illustration. Don't do, but do this. Now, the Holy Spirit gives two other illustrations about alcohol and spirit-filled living. Let me give them to you. Luke chapter 1, verse 15, it says this. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then again in Acts chapter 2 and verse 13, speaking again at Pentecost... Uh, they, they just weren't sure what was going on. They couldn't quite make sense of it. And so they began to mock and say this. They're, they're drunk. These people are filled with new wine. So we see here again this illustration being given. So how does this illustrate being filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm glad to announce to you today that I don't... I cannot bring you a real live personal illustration on this one. Hopefully you're happy about that. But I would tell you that when a person is drunk, I know this, they don't act like themselves anymore. They don't have any control over their bodies. They don't have any control over their tongue. Some drunks are funny drunks. You ever met a funny drunk? Makes others laugh. Some drunks are angry drunks. And they cause others to suffer. Because they have no control. They don't know what they're doing. A policeman pulls someone over because they're drifting over the line, right? And I'm not a policeman, but I think the process would go something like this. I've watched a couple of YouTube videos, right? And the policeman pulls that person over and, and maybe walks up to the window and can tell something isn't just right. They're, they, they're talking different than they normally would talk. And so he asks them to get out of the car and, and walk a line, right? And what he's looking for is to see if they, how, they, how they walk that line. And do some of the things they do physically show whether or not they are intoxicated or not? Do they have control over their body or not? Nowhere, nowhere does the Bible command losing control. I think it's important that we understand that. What is the scripture saying here? The point is not lose control with the spirit. That's not the point. That's wrong. It's lose control with a substance, alcohol, and be a fool. Or it's give control to a person, the Holy Spirit, and have an awesome life. That's what Scripture's teaching here. So it is true that when I give control to the Holy Spirit, 
I am not in control anymore. I have given control to him. And so now I'm saying things that the spirit of God would have me to say. My speech changes. Now I'm saying things that that he would want me to say, not things that are of the flesh. And by the way, sometimes I wonder if in this culture we need to say more than just I'm saying these things because now I think we need to include I'm texting, I'm emailing, and I'm posting on social media. Because I'm amazed at some of the things that people will text, email, and say on social media that they won't say to your face. But it's the same thing. We're saying it. And the question is this. Is this something that the Holy Spirit of God is saying through me, or is this something that I am saying on my own? I'm controlling this. I'm saying what I want to say. Is it true that when I give control to the Holy Spirit, I'm no longer the one who's in control of my body? I go where the Holy Spirit wants me to go, and guess what? I don't go the places that He would not want to go. My body, my tongue, is now controlled by a power greater than my own. And that's what Scripture's teaching here. And so we look at the life of a believer and we ask ourselves this question, what are some of the evidences of the filling of the Holy Spirit? And, and we go to church and we wonder, where is the joy? What about, let us experience the glory of your presence. I want to experience God. You see, the Holy Spirit has something to do with whether or not we're experiencing his presence. The filling of the Holy Spirit. And so, are you experiencing victory? I mean, honestly, that's what the Holy Spirit does. I'm not affected, filled with the Spirit, by whether or not the outcome for me as a believer is going to be bad because of what Fox News says. Or what's on the front of the set in the record this morning. Or what some news outlet says about the, the world and its condition and what it's going to mean and all of these things that seem to discourage the believer when in fact, when we're filled with the Spirit, we understand God has not given us the spirit of fear. There's victory in the Christian life. There's joy. There's confidence. There is peace that comes when we're living under the control of the Holy Spirit. So what hinders that? What hinders me from those things? I want those things. I want that joy. And, and I am concerned today for the church. Where is the joy? Where is the confidence? What about the victory, church? The victory that we have in Christ. Why is it that we seem to, to struggle with these things? I'm going to tell you why Scripture tells us why. Number one, first of all, it's when we resist the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 7, verse 51. Peter was preaching a powerful message, a powerful message. And here were his closing remarks. By the way, these will not be my closing remarks this morning. Because we live in a culture that is so sensitive that if I were to preach this even to believers, I don't know if anybody would come back next Sunday. So I'll just blame this one on Peter. Peter closed his message with these words. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. And then he went on to say, honestly, it's no wonder you do, because your dads did. That's why it's so important, fathers, for us to walk in the Spirit, because our kids are going to watch us and probably make this decision based on 
how we walk. So scripture says here, you resist the Holy Spirit. So here's the truth. Not every person that came to church this morning is submissive to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we come to church and the Holy Spirit tells us to do something and we don't do it. And when we reject or resist rather the Holy Spirit and his conviction, then we forfeit the filling of the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, I wrote it, I have it in notes like this, desiring against the Holy Spirit, although some versions would say lusting against the Holy Spirit. And we find this in Galatians chapter 5. What hinders the Spirit's filling? Galatians 5 says, well, I say this to you, walk by the Spirit. Please do this. This is so important. And if you do this, you're not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. There's a war going on. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those who are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. You feel this war. I feel this war every day. Amen, church. It's a war. It's a war between the spirit and the flesh. Am I right? And the spirit wants me to do what the Bible says and what Jesus commands. And the flesh wants to do what I want to do. And so there is a war going on. And if you're constantly desiring against the spirit and your flesh is getting the victory, then you are forfeiting the spirit's filling. Desiring against the Spirit. Number, number three is when we grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot of Scripture here. I'm going to go through it quickly. I promise it will just take a minute or so to get through this. But I think it's important that we understand the context of this teaching before he says the word grieve. He begins in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, and he says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, very, very exciting here, very great passage, let each of one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we're members of one another. Be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down upon your anger. Hey, by the way, give no opportunity to the devil now. And let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor. Let him be honest with his work and with his hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. Make sure that the only thing that comes out of your mouth is building people up. As it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed. The word grieve is an interesting word. The word grieve here in this passage means to cause pain or literally to cause sorrow. To make the Holy Spirit sad. I love this Oswald Chambers quote. Grieve is a love word. You can frustrate or anger your enemies, but only your loved ones can be grieved. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this with a lot of conviction. A lot of conviction. Because I'm understanding the second part of that passage. Look at it again. I'm understanding what it means in Ephesians chapter 4. You put that back on the screen there for me, Nate. Where it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were 
sealed. Pay attention. Think about it. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me. And I grieve him. But how does that happen? And it just hit me this week. When I'm saying things in the flesh, when I'm angry and letting corrupt communication come out of my mouth, when I'm watching a movie or television, or I'm involved in something voluntarily, just doing kind of what I want to do, the Holy Spirit of God says, why are we here? What are we doing here? Why, why are we saying these things? I, I, I'm inside of you. I'm with you. I, you're sealed to the day of redemption. Hey, 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 wait a minute. Why are we sitting here in this movie house? Why, why are we watching this program? Why are we talking like that to our spouse? Why are we treating our children? Hey, wait, wait. I'm grieved. Because you see, I... I I had dwelt you at salvation. I'm with you right now. You must have forgotten that I'm here. And when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we forfeit his filling. And then fourth, we quench the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 puts it so clearly and plainly. It just says, quench, do not quench the Spirit. This means to put the Spirit's fire out. In other words, we destroy the intended purpose in our life. We quench the spirit. How many Christians have to confess this today? Man, pastor, I'm just not on fire for God like I used to be. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but I have some good news for you. The fire was never you. It was the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit's the fire. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what? He is on fire in you. And that, my friend, is what all of us should desire, for the Holy Spirit of God to be on fire inside of us. Let's not quench. Put his fire out. And then five is when we reject the Holy Spirit. We find this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Where the word of God says, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards or rejects, not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now think about this. Rejects not man. This is a great relief to me because sometimes I think we put way too much emphasis on the pastor delivering the message. And I get it. I do. I get it. I get it. Pastor, hey, I'm looking forward to the message you're going to deliver today. I get it. I understand it. I know what you mean. But can I clarify something? I am not, I am not the messenger of God in, in reality. The messenger of God in its purest form, in its most powerful form, is not the pastor. The messenger of God in your life, in my life, is the Holy Spirit. If I was the messenger of God, you'd be getting one message every Sunday. But thank God we get way more than a message every Sunday. Because the Holy Spirit of God is the messenger. And when he speaks and we say, no, 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 no. Go there. No, no, don't do that. No, 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 no. Leave me alone. No, no, no. Eventually you can't hear him anymore. That's why so many Christians are cheerless today. That's why so many Christians are sad and filled with fear. Here's why. 
because God has made no provision for you to live the Christian life. The only provision he has made is for him, by the Holy Spirit, to live his life through you. That's a powerful truth. We're going to leave it on the screen for just a minute. Because I want you to, I want you to meditate upon that. That is the truth this morning that, that should cause each of us to realize how desperate we are for the Spirit's filling. That we walk in the Spirit because it's the only way to live the Christian life. I can't do this. You can't do this. We need to quit trying. And let the Holy Spirit of God live His life through us. And so I'm going to close with these thoughts as our worship team prepares to close us and give us a response opportunity. How are we filled with the Holy Spirit? I want all of us this morning to understand this, to experience this. Let us become more aware of His presence. Let us experience the glory of your presence. Number one, recognize your need to be filled. Recognize it. Admit it. Come to the place where you realize in humility, God, I need to be filled with the Spirit again. I need to be filled with the Spirit again. This morning, I promise you, this I'm not preaching off of last week's filling. I needed his filling throughout this week. I needed his filling to be the kind of dad that I needed to be, the kind of husband I needed to be. And there are times when I was listening more to my flesh than to the Spirit of God. And it was then that I needed to recognize, oh my goodness, if, if I, I need the Spirit's filling. I, I don't want to... Have you ever done this? Text back and then like, Holy Spirit... And then what do we press? We press the back button. Until all that text gets off. Holy Spirit. I want to text what you want me to text. I want to send the email you want me to send. Email. I want you to... I want to post what you want me to post. I want you to say what you want me to say. Recognize it. And then secondly, confess all known sin. You know when a good time to do that is? Right now. Why not? Right now. Why not right now just confess the known sin in our lives? God, these are some things that are going on in my life right now that I know should not be there. I know I am quenching your spirit. I am putting your fire out when I commit these sins. And and God, I'm asking you to forgive me, to cleanse me, to wash me. I want to be filled, God. I want to be filled with your spirit. And then yield yourself completely to God. Yield yourself. Whatever, God, you want me to do, whatever you want from me, I am not my own. I am bought with a price. Lord, I don't want to do what I want to do. I want to do what you want me to do. I don't, God, I don't want to go where I feel like I should go. I want you to lead me. God, I am. my life is yours to control. So what's up today, God? Where are we going? What are we doing? Who are we talking to today? What's going to happen today, God? I can't wait. I just want to walk in the Spirit. I want to be yielded to you, God. That's not a one-time thing, church. That's all. That's... that's That could be every day. Every day I pray this prayer. 
I yield my body to my soul, my soul to my spirit, and my spirit to the Holy Spirit. Help me to walk the path that you would walk and help the people that you would help if you were here in my shoes. You know what's amazing? It's not hardly a day ever goes by, ever, when I pray that prayer and truly experience that, that I don't come into some situation where it's like, that was so cool. God, you did that. You put that person there and, and, and you wanted me to say that to them. You wanted me to reach out to them, shake that hand, give that hug. This morning, I had a blast this morning. It was easier for me at the 9 o'clock hour because the baptism kind of keeps me, I'm getting ready up there and I love to baptize. Don't get me wrong, I love it. Wish we could do it every Sunday and I hope we will, right? But at 9 o'clock we don't baptize so it was so fun to go around the church and, and just to hug people and tell people I love them and ask them how their week went. And everybody I talked to, I honestly felt like it was a divine appointment. It was just cool. It was just fun to watch the countdown. I looked up and I thought, man, I gotta get... No more time left. Because I, I just feel like this is a special place and God has some divine appointments this morning. I think about Hayden who got baptized this week. It was a divine appointment for him to come to church last Sunday. It was a divine appointment for Mo to speak on what he spoke at at Madhouse. It was a divine appointment for Hayden to have already scheduled a meeting with the pastor on Friday. God did all of that. And what that requires is yielding yourself completely to God. And, and, and you experienced it this week. I know you did. Identify those moments. And then finally, ask God to fill you. God, fill me. I'm asking you to do it right now. And then tomorrow, God, fill me. And sometimes it might be whatever profession you're in. If you're a plumber. If you're an electrician, God, fill me today as I walk into these homes, as I talk to these contractors. These guys are rough. I want to talk like you want me to talk. Maybe you're a policeman. God, fill me today as I get in my car and make sure that the law is obeyed. But God, help me to be the kind of policeman that would walk in the Spirit. Maybe you're a waitress at Cracker Barrel or Outback or Maybe you're a happy greeter at Walmart, Raz, or a stalker. I love Raz. I love you, buddy. You know what? 90% of Raz Pittman's prayer requests are this. Pray for my friend at Walmart. Pray for this lady at Walmart. Pray for this man at Walmart. Pray for my co-worker at Walmart. And I used to think, Raz, is that all you've got is Walmart prayer requests? And then I thought, wait a minute. Raz, every day at work, is filled with the Spirit, and he knows that God has put him there not to stock cereal, not to put oranges in the orange department. Oh, that's part of his job, but it's also to touch the lives of the people around him through the Holy Spirit. How cool is that? And we're supposed to learn from the older men in the church. The older men teach the younger men. Raz, how old are you? 74, I'm 53. You got 21 years on me. I need to start praying for my co-workers more. I do. Believe me, they need prayer. <laughs> I work at the church, okay? i just making sure you do that. <laughs> anyway, I hope this has ended on a little better note than stiff-necked. Amen. 
I love you, church. And I honestly want our church to be filled with the Spirit. I want to be filled with the Spirit. And I pray that we can all begin to understand that this third person in the Trinity is someone who is living inside of every believer right now. But he's not controlling every believer. So let's let him control us. Let's do it today. Let's do it now. Father, in just a moment, we're going to stand. God, we're going to allow your spirit to move and work. And you may be drawing a lost sinner to you this morning. And that's the very beginning of your work. That baptism of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit may take place in just a moment in a new believer's life. And I pray, oh God, that you would bring that one down the aisle or to a a friend in church this morning or to someone after the services. May we have that opportunity to share the gospel. But then, Lord, others here today who have experienced the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, who have been sealed to the day of redemption, but it's been a while since they've been filled. And so the joy is not there. The awareness of your presence, it's been a while. God, would you take those of us in in that department, and would you, Lord, right now, and me included, would we now confess our sin? May we yield our lives to you. May we make a conscious decision to be being filled again and again and again and again. I love you. I love you. Thank you, God, for this third person of yourself. Oh, my. I want to experience him. I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me the kind of person you'd have me to be. May I, through your Holy Spirit, touch more lives this week than I did last week. Oh, God, help me. I I can surrender my life to you. And I pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Shall we stand?